Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect with Beautiful Disaster. These are the stories of our tribe. They are important, powerful, and will undoubtedly change you. Oh my gosh. Hi, everybody out in Facebook land. It seems that we have finally come up with a solution so that we can all be live together with with Kelly Blumenthal. So, um, you guys, we've had some major technical issues. If you're hearing any feedback, please let me know in the chat. Um, but let me just get started. <laughs> Today's guest has earned a very special place in my heart because her and I actually have shared some very similar experiences, some very different experiences as well. Uh, but this warrior mama has struggled with infertility, the loss of beautiful twin girls, has a son with a severe heart disease. And the following quote is from her website, and I think it so beautifully sets the tone for her introduction. And it says, life has given us a hundred reasons to cry, but I want to show life why I have a thousand reasons to smile. So please welcome Kelly Blumenthal. Kelly, we are honored to have you. And girl, thank you for sticking through all that <laughs> craziness. Hey, it is not a problem. It's I'm, it's a true honor. So I'll wait however long it takes. <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're so honored to have you. And like I said in my, introdu in, in my introduction, you know, you and I share some similarities. You know, when I was reading your story and I saw in the very beginning that it said struggled with infertility for five years, that is exactly part of my story as well. Um, IVF, Clomid, I mean, thought, think, you know, starting to think about adoption, the the whole nine yards. So my, my heart can connect with your heart on some of those levels. Um, and my heart still connects with you on other levels too. So thank you so much for being a guest here and being willing to kind of go backwards, you know, and, and walk through some of those things um, that aren't so easy to walk through here with us with the beautiful disaster tribe. So let's kick this off and go backwards to that place that you and I shared for five years um, so that you can share with the tribe uh, where your uh, journey began. Yes, of course. So basically, like you mentioned, um, you know, our Kind of journey has been like if it can happen it will happen a pretty much beautiful disaster yeah um and i tell people you know what even if your journey's a little bit different it's the same emotion and that's how we all you know kind of connect and be able to build each other up <clears throat> but um my husband and i were married in 2008 and we knew immediately we wanted to have a family um we'd already been living together we're the f oldest and first grandchild on each side our grandparents were best friends for years, so they were ready for the lineage to uh -huh. happen. And um, so were we. We just wanted to be a family. Um, so we started trying to have a family and were really shocked when it wasn't happening. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, most couples, you know, they're like, well, if it happens, it happens. And then time goes away with you. And I was at my yearly OB appointment and she's like, you're in your early 20s and you've been trying for a year and it hasn't happened. And I'm like, yeah. You know, Is that weird? Know. Yeah. And yeah. back then, you know, cause this was years ago, um, you know, 2008 and it's now 2020, um, infertility was so taboo as you yes. know, no yes. one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about miscarriage. You don't talk even with your friends about the struggles you go through. Um, yeah. so we did not tell anyone that we were going through this. Meanwhile, you know, family members and friends like TikTok. Um, of course. But, 
Oh, yeah. So in a nutshell, um, we went through all of the testing that you do, the histocelpingogram, some of these things you hear about mm -hmm. and you read about and you're like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. And then you're in there like, okay, wish that people did talk about this because this yeah. histocelpingogram is no joke. Girl, is, I feel you on that. They, right. So it's a, what are they, is it HSG or HSG. I don't know. Yeah, yes. the ASA HSG test. I so remember feeling the same exact as you. You need to have this. Okay, what does it mean? Oh, it's no big deal. They just shoot dye so that we can yeah. like take some pictures, make sure things are going okay. And yeah, you're in there and they like fill you up like a balloon. They shoot you full of dye and it hurt. It actually Why hurt me. I it was painful. Why yeah. Why I drugged for this or yes. anxiety meds? You know, it's yes. like, they acted like it's no big deal. So, you know, I go in there all positive, like, oh, it could be worse. It could be surgery. And I'm you know, out of there, like, you know, the emotions, just that alone, you yeah. know, sent me into PTSD. Like no one warned me about this. You know, you yep. want to take everything out on somebody. So long of the short of it is we found out we had unexplained infertility. All of our numbers were fantastic. Yep. I, I share that with you. Unexplained. The most fun diagnosis because mm -hmm. you want an answer. You don't want anything to be wrong with you, but you want an answer. So it was unexplained. And um, in a nutshell, like I said, we went through five years of this between eight months of Clomid monitoring. I had a very flexible job. I just told them I was going to doctor's appointments and they didn't really ask. It was a trucker place. So they didn't want to know any girly right. no problems. <laughs> didn't talk about taboo. They did not want to know, Right. Uh, which ended up being a blessing for me. Um, and so finally, one round of Clomid, we were pregnant and I was just, um, sorry, no, it was Clomid and IUI. Second round right. of IUI, first round of Clomid, we were pregnant. I was shocked. The first ultrasound, it was one baby. The second ultrasound, one baby. We were following this baby for a long time, <clears throat> told our families at Christmas. That's how it, you know, happened with the timing. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for one sure, quick yes. second, just for anybody who's watching IUI means interuterine insemination. Yes. So it's basically the turkey baster method, except for in a doctor's office. So those yes. can happen with or without drugs. Um, I've done both. You probably did, <laughs> did both where you did it without the trigger shots and all that stuff. And then with the trigger shots. So basically yes. what it is, is uh, they get your uh, eggs good and ready and right at the right time, inseminate you with said, right. said person's sperm. Said person. Yes. <laughs> so that's an IUI. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I just want to no. make sure. Yeah, everybody. We know this lingo, unfortunately, yes. but I want to make sure everybody can follow along. And the guy's part is always the fun part. Like, yeah. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? I mean, it is so not fair. Um, but you know what? It makes us stronger. Um, there's no way that they could do that. No, they couldn't um, handle it. No. So, um, so we went through the second round of, um, intrauterine insemination with Clomid and trigger shot, um, and was shocked to find out that we were pregnant following this one baby for a while. Um, <clears throat> my tech and my doctor were out of town because it was the holidays and this was in, uh, late December, almost January, right after we'd announced it to everybody. And so we had a different tech and a different doctor. <clears throat> so since they, we came in kind of as a new patient, right. um, they did a full, you know, scan. They'd never seen me before. And they were like, you know, it's really weird. Your, um, your numbers are, um, really, really high for pregnancy and there's only one baby. And she was looking around and lo and behold, there was a second baby same gestation gestation in 
my tube, my right tube. That was an ectopic pregnancy. And for me, I just didn't, they said, you need to go into emergency surgery. We cannot believe that this baby made it this long. This is a big baby. This is going to rupture. This was around how how I was about to go second trimester. Okay. So right at the 12, 13 week mark. Wow. Yeah. One, One was measuring 13 weeks, three days. And the other one was measuring like 13 weeks exactly. And, um, they could tell later on that it was girls because of blood testing that they did. There was no testosterone in the um, blood when um, the removal happened. So we knew they were girls. I wanted to know just from, you know, peace. And I was already connected with them. Um, But for me and both my husband, we felt so dumb, but they said, you need to go into surgery right away to remove the baby. And I said, well, why can't you just put it down there? I don't understand what's, right. yeah, what's going on. And they're looking at us like we have three heads. And um, in a nutshell, the because I was still relatively early, the baby in my uterus would not have survived that surgery. So they induced oh. a miscarriage with um, methotrexate injections. And that was horrible. Again, something that they don't really tell you about. They just no. make you feel like it's just a shot. And, um, it's not, it was multiple of them. Coincidentally, my mother-in-law went with me at this point, cat was out of the bag and, Mm -hmm. um, so to speak. And I worked myself up so hard crying and getting upset through these injections. They were very painful at this point. I had just been through the surgery to remove, um, the baby. They wanted to do the methotrexate after the surgery because it makes you bleed out. And they didn't want me to bleed during surgery. Mm-hmm. So, um, but after the first surgery, the ultrasound showed that the baby in my uterus had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which they thought, you know, wasn't going to survive anyways, but all along the trauma of seeing this and knowing that blatantly you made this decision, you know, um, but we didn't want my tube to rupture. I was already having fertility problems. So the goal was to cut on either side of the tube, remove the baby, sew it together, problem solved. I just might have a little more scar tissue, which of course, coincidentally can cause another ectopic pregnancy. Um, if it can happen, it will happen. I ended up having, um, three abdominal surgeries within 10 days because the methotrexate did not work and the surgery didn't work. They actually missed the baby. And so the ultrasound, yes. So they missed (sighs) the baby. So we saw in an ultrasound, both my husband and I, because my um, levels were coming back as even more pregnant and they're like, what is going on? Um, So that tissue, even though both babies had passed away was still growing. So I ended up going into another surgery which was um, successful. But then surgery number three, I was at work thinking that this was successful. At this point, I've passed the baby in my uterus. Supposedly, the baby in my um, you know, tube was gone. Supposedly, this was a you know, success round two. Um, and it turned out that it actually was not successful round two. There was oh still gosh. pregnancy tissue that was growing. And all this was within 10 days. I was at work by myself and um, all of a sudden I just passed out and people were calling and calling and calling. And like I said, it's a trucker place. So my boss was like, Bob, what is she doing in there? You know, so came in my office and I was basically, you know, gone (sighs) and he tried to feel a pulse and couldn't. Um, I I did have a pulse though, but it was very, very low. It turned out that I was internally bleeding because that tissue had made everything rough just completely ruptured. Oh I was God. bleeding out. So it was all filling up in my abdomen, 
when he lifted me up to put me in the car because the emergency room was coincidentally right across from my office, he knew he could get me faster. Sure. Um, this hospital had coincidentally, cause again, if it can happen, it happens to me had coincidentally just opened. So even though I clearly was out of it, you could see my abdomen like this, right. um, even though that when he brought me in, they were still like, ID, we have to check you in. Oh, you're no. Yes. Um, so he lied and said that he was my husband, even yeah. though he was my boss and he called HR and got every single bit of information on me to be sure. able to help me. Yes. And my husband was in DC. I'm in, um, Fredericksburg over an hour away. He was able to call him. Um, my husband takes public, um, transportation up there. So he had to get a cab and the quickest you can get an HOV in DC, um, by the time he came down, I was out of surgery and um, the doctor came out to my boss, Sean, oh. and said, I need to talk to you about your wife. And yeah. he's like, actually, the real husband is here now. Yeah. But at that point, luckily, no one cared. Yeah, um, whatever worked. Yes. So again, if it can happen, it will happen. When I woke up from surgery, I couldn't speak and they couldn't figure out why. Um so they went and talked to anesthesia, like, you know, did anything weird happen in surgery? Because right. it was an emergency. And apparently, because I'm learning all these terms, these medical terms, when they went to put the breathing tube down, they had to put a blade down first. The blade caught onto skin on my throat, ripped it, oh and it God. became so swollen that I couldn't speak after surgery. And my doctor made a really funny joke, which at the time I needed. I was right. just someone who needed that. And when I couldn't speak, you know, I was writing and she's an OBGYN trying to figure this out. Right. And I said, you know, I can't talk, you know, right here. And she said, oh, honey, that's the wrong hole. I have to get you an ENT. So I just really needed that in that moment. Some lightness. Oh, my gosh. I totally yeah. needed that. And she's amazing. And we still talk. And I love her so much. Um, yeah. So um, this could get drawn out forever. But um, so basically, um, at that point, everything was gone on my right-hand side. So I started out this infertility journey having unexplained infertility. Now right. I really do have a problem. So yeah. I went in for an MRI in the, in March. I had to heal to go back. Um, the methotrexate really did a number on me. They had to give me a really high dose. It stays in your system for a really long time. It's a part of chemotherapy. Like oh. I said, it makes you bleed out. Yeah. So everything was, you know, from the rupture, I was just having a lot of issues. Um, but I had a lot of scar tissue, but everything was gone on my right-hand side. And unfortunately, the blood flow to my uterus now, it was 100% prior to this incident. It was now 0.8%. And they said, there's no way wow. you're going to be able to get pregnant. I said, well, I want to try. Yeah. And they said, your only option is IVF, but it's going to fail. So my husband and I took out a personal loan. We just wanted to know we did everything. Absolutely. <clears throat> we, took, we took out a personal loan and... We did IVF. We did not tell anybody because, again, they want you to not be stressed. Yeah. Um, if it can happen, it will happen. All right. these expensive drugs get sent in. They have to be refrigerated. Yes. Um, it was over um, 4th of July, and they had the such a bad heat wave in Virginia that the power went off. So we woke up the next day. The power was off in our house. And our the refrigerator. Fridge. Yes. Because so if it were, can happen, it I will. <laughs> so we are calling every hotel. It's 4th of July, though. And everybody wants to go to D.C. to see the fireworks. There's no place. 
And basically this sounds horrible, but I just like started crying on the phone to one right across the street. And I said, this is what's going on. I just need your fridge. Yeah. I don't need to stay there. I just need your fridge. This yeah. is my last chance. I just need your oh. fridge. Ins insurance doesn't cover this. Right. Um, they consider it, you know, an optional thing to have yeah. a child. Elective. Right. Elective $6,800. And back then this was 2012. So I'm sure now it's even more expensive. Yep. Um, so $6,800 worth of medication. And um, it was just awful. But you know what? It made it so that my first injection, they did give me the fridge. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, yes. It made that first injection so easy because I was standing in the kitchen yeah. of this hotel and I knew I couldn't have any anxiety about giving myself. You just had to get it done. I had to get it, get it done, get out of there. And so my husband was waiting in the car and I went in and I came out and he's like, how did it go? And I said, it had to go. I mean, yeah. I'm in the kitchen in the hotel. What are you going to do? Yes. Um, oh, my gosh. Days later, um, everything came back on. Um, to this day, I don't 100% know if it had an effect on it. But my blood levels and everything, you know, were good. <clears throat> I was able to get, um, and this has been a while, I want to say eight eggs, six fertilized, only two of them ended up being okay. Viable, um, yeah. Right. It was, I believe, uh, A, B, and a BB. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they let us put, they were like, we'll let you put however many you want back yeah. in. Your, your uterus only has 0.8% blood flow. Right. Put them both back in. Um, this happened up in Reston. So my husband, I refused, you know, IVF in vitro fertilization. I refused to get up after that transfer. I, they were like, honey, you can it's get up and walk It's so out. funny that you say that because- I said, no. You just feel like you're going to, it's going to just drop out. <laughs> you do. And it's impossible. And it's I'm impossible. Like, no, I am not getting up. And my husband <laughs> said, we're doing this. We're doing this right. So he carried me like this to the car. He laid oh me my on the gosh. back and he said, honey, if you want to get home quicker, we have to pick up slugs for HOV. If you don't know what that is, in order to get through the HOV lane, you have to pick up random people to get home so that you can get through HOV. That's the benefit to you. Right. And they get a free ride home. So we right. picked up two random people. I'm laying down in the back. With your legs up. <laughs> yep. But again, you know, years later, it makes for this wonderful, you know, beautiful Story. disaster. Yes. Um, it did end up failing, of course. And you know how it is. You're like, don't take a pregnancy test. Don't take a pregnancy test. Your levels could be totally off. It could be false positive. Yeah. Of course, I took one every of single course. day. Of course, I did it every single time. Yes. So I was very prepared for it to say negative because towards the end of, you know, when my blood test happened, it was negative. But you never know. Blood test is way more sensitive. Yes. It was indeed negative. So immediately my husband and I, because you know how it is, you're like, I have to move forward. I have yeah. to move forward. And um, I want to make a very um, important note at this moment in our lives, because this was a very pivotal moment that no matter what happens in the future that I tell you about with my son's heart condition, 16 surgeries, two open heart surgery, even with that, there was always hope with that because he was still here for this. This moment for me was the darkest place in my entire life because we had to surrender our bodies, my body, mm. <clears throat> it, to know that we will not have a child with our own DNA. Right. And that was a struggle. And then having to tell our families yeah. and some family members are oblivious to it. And they say, oh, it's okay. It'll still happen. And I'm like, that's not helpful. No. You know, the whole miracles happen. Yeah. Um, Everything happen. happens for a reason. <laughs> yes. Just oh, yeah. That's me. my that's my favorite one. <laughs> or you're young, you know? It's yeah. Like, okay. Um, 
please don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That is not helpful right now. I need hugs and chocolate and laughter and cat yes. videos. And that's what I need right now. Yeah. And trips, um, like just vacations. So <clears throat> we immediately were like, what can we dive into? We were involved in two adoption agencies. One, they only take on uh, domestic infant adoption. One, they only take on um, two families a year and we were chosen and I was so excited. And the other was through um, a local Christian adoption. So we started going through all the classes. We were making our book that you give to the adopted parents. And a lot of people might wonder, why did you do domestic infant as opposed to international or anything like that? Um, this sounds crazy, but for us, we just said, what's the quickest process for us to just have a child? Because we want to be parents and we know it'll take a while. Um, international was very, very long. Um, domestic infant was the quickest. Um, and well, and I, I just want to say something too, because (laughs) the fact that you even have to clarify that decision to me feels a little like you shouldn't have to like, yeah. It's okay to adopt domestically. You know, people definitely are influenced by how many children are in need in third world countries. And I do not deny that fact. But we have babies and children right here in the United States of America that absolutely need and deserve loving parents like you guys were ready to be. So there's no shame in whatever path you choose. And I just don't think, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like they have to defend those decisions, no matter what, it's a beautiful choice. Right. And it's also the thing of, you know, like, um, you've already waited this long. Why, you know, rush, why be like, what gives us a child the quickest? Well, at this point we're on year, I don't even know what, you know, and it's a lot of trauma and we just wanted to keep moving. We were trying to do the least amount of gaps of you're literally just waiting to get a letter from China saying it's, you know, we have a match for you. Right. So that was the mo- going to be the most successful for us. Um, and also both agencies agreed that they thought that we would do well for that because sometimes infant can, infants can be tough, especially if you don't know um, medically what the mother it has gone through. Sure. Um, and we were, we had good insurance and we were very patient and prepared to deal um, and take on with whatever, you know, they could throw. We just wanted to be parents. Absolutely. So we were literally about to do our home inspection. It was scheduled and we were so excited. They have to schedule it like months out because there's so, so long of a wait. Um, so that's what we were waiting on was a home inspection. And it was Valentine's Day um, seven years ago. And I just didn't feel right. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And I had all these pregnancy tests left over. And I said, you know what, why am I hoarding these? I'm just going to use a bunch of them (laughs) and be done with it. And I, my husband was literally about to come home and I just didn't even think much of it. And it came out positive. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's no way. I immediately called my doctor because there was 10 minutes left before they were about to close. Right. And she said, <clears throat> don't get too excited yet because of what you've gone through and 0.8% blood flow to your uterus. You could be going into early menopause. Please don't, you know, don't get, I know if it can't Jeez. happen, it will happen. Oh my God. So we were like, Oh gosh. Um, okay. But I just, I don't know. Something told me like, this is, this is right. You know, something told me this was right. And, um, so I was like, how soon can you get an appointment? She said tomorrow, you know, come in, I'll take some blood work. We'll do an ultrasound just to make sure there's no tumors, blockages, scar tissues. 
And <clears throat> same doctor who had operated on me who said the wrong hole. Oh. Um, who's amazing. <clears throat> she um, was doing the ultrasound and we didn't honestly know what we were looking at because we were expecting, you know, prepared for, you know, bad news. Yeah. So I wasn't really looking. My husband was, and you know, he didn't know what he's looking at. Right. <laughs> and when I finally did look, it's clearly a baby. I was right. a, over 11 weeks, almost 12 weeks. Oh my god! first son, Mason, in the right place, oh um, driving, nothing in the tubes. Wow. And she just was looking like this. And my husband said that he was just thinking, oh, gosh, this is a tumor. I'm like, yeah, yeah. With legs and arms and a beating heart. Yeah. He doesn't know. It looks like the sure. Doppler radar. Sure. So <laughs> I finally look over because he's looking very, you know, distraught. And I looked over and I'm like, there's no way that's me. And I was like, what's going on? And she said, um... So you're over 11 weeks pregnant. And she said, and I'm just going to say it right now. I think it's a boy because this has to be the baby Jesus. I just don't understand oh. what's happening. Um, I, I, I'm going to do lots of tests. I'm going to, I'm so excited. Oh I don't God. know what to do. Yes. Yes. Speak. Um, so leading up to leading up to that moment, you know, with the lack of blood flow and only <laughs> having now one um, fallopian tube, like right. were your cycles and your periods just all out of whack? No, um, it, they went back to normal, which was oh, wow. weird, but, and did you miss any periods? I did, but I assumed that it was, it, yeah, this, and this wasn't that far after this was eight months after we had the failed IVF that right. I took that test Right. and they had told me it's going to be all over the place probably for the next year. Okay. So this was eight months out. So I was like, eh. You know, I and I wasn't keeping track of it right. because I'd given up on my body. I right. that you surrendered. Said, okay, I surrendered. Let go. Let God. What whatever you have it. Um, I said I've done everything, and I'm not going to be hard on myself anymore. Right. But I will say, which is crazy, because this happens. Um, this is important to note with Finn later on, um, because he has heart disease. Um, when I got pregnant with Mason, I was the most unhealthy I've ever been in my entire life because I'd given up on my body. And I and you know, with IVF, you're eating everything they tell you on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. You are drinking all the water. You are not yes. drinking caffeine. You are not even touching a raw meat or anything. You yes. are, you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to indulge and treat myself. The Cheetos are back. Yep. I'm not, if I don't sleep, who cares? And yes. I'm stressed out. I was very stressed out. I was pounding caffeine, mostly sodas. Um, and Mason ended up being a very healthy <clears throat> baby boy. Yep. He was, um, the doctor wanted to make sure to do a C-section on him because I had so much scar tissue from the sure. rupture. The if trauma. I had labor, I wouldn't know if it was hemorrhaging um, or anything, but he was um, just shy of eight pounds. He was born exactly 39 weeks. Um, typical me, I did have a little bit of complication during the C-section. So I ended up being out. Um, but my husband loved it because he got to bottle feed him yeah. and do everything with him. And it was an immediate bond. And, um, his name is Mason James. Mason yeah. is just, um, baby book name. Although my husband likes to say it was from the Kardashians, but it is right. a baby book name. <laughs> and then James is just a name on all of our family side. Our last name's Blumenthal. So we couldn't have like Sebastian Christopher. That would have been a little long. A, a really long thing. Yeah. 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 So we gave him a break. Um, and we were, he was only a couple months old and I loved Chick-fil-A when I was pregnant. I 
loved Chick-fil-A when I'm not pregnant. Yeah, I, I just had Chick-fil-A for lunch today. Right? So I, I love it. So I had made friends with them throughout this whole thing. And because um, I would go there every morning when I was pregnant with Mason and they'd been dying to meet him and he was yeah. a cold and flu season baby. So I was really excited to finally bring him in. I brought him in and I could not get out of there fast enough because of the smell. And I thought, are you oh. kidding me? What's oh. going on? And my doctor had told me, I said, can I get pregnant again? And she, after Mason, and she said, I mean, obviously it's possible, but I would think more like 10 years down the road, it'd probably be a surprise baby. Yeah. She was, I've never heard such words from an OBGYN <laughs> when I called and said, Hey, I think I need an ultrasound. <laughs> she was like, are you kidding me? So I went in and, um, I was pretty far along with Finn as well. And but- and with this this one, so Mason was <laughs> totally a surprise. But yes. when you had that feeling at Chick-fil-A, did you know? Yes. I yeah. said, this has to be. Why? Yeah. I love Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A is life. <laughs> Why would I want to go out of here because of the smell? Yes. Something is, is totally wrong. I immediately went home and took a pregnancy test. My, uh, Michael was watching Mason and I just walked in and handed it to him. And I was like, I cannot believe this. What is happening? Oh my God. Um, and so he was like, our families are going to flip that we're having <laughs> two kids so close together. I was like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I mean, we, with IVF, you can have twins, triplets. Yes. Triplets. Yeah. So I was like, that is not even on my mind, but, um, it was crazy. And even though Mason was young, he was such a good baby. And we were a little bit, you know, bittersweet, so thankful that we had him, but really wanted him to have a sibling. So we were yeah. considering the adoption again, sure. <clears throat> um, maybe when he was a year old. And I was like, what is going on? And also, is this safe? Because at this point in such a short time, I'd had a C-section and all of those surgeries. Right. So I didn't really know what that was going to bring. Right. <clears throat> um, so went into my OB's office, same situation. She was like, I cannot believe this. You're like just as far along as you were with Mason. And you know, right after you have a baby, everything's off. Oh yeah, you're a mess. About that, I was thinking about the baby. So I was just blown away, just shocked. Um, so we assumed that um, this pregnancy would go the same way. We agreed we would have another C-section, which would be almost a year apart from Mason. Right. So we went into the same ultrasound tech almost exactly a year later that told us the gender of Mason. Yep. Um, so on my 30th birthday, I was exactly 14 weeks with Finn. Yep. And my friend was also exactly 14 weeks. So as a gift for our 30th birthdays, we went into a 3D, 4D place and paid $50 and found out the gender of our babies. Okay, right. And now they can't look at anything really anatomical and they wouldn't have either. Obviously, if they see something crazy like two heads or a big tumor, they're going to call sure. your OB. Right. They asked for that information when you walked in. It was too early to see anything cardiac related anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knew it was a boy um, at exactly 14 weeks. Our backup name for Mason was Landon Michael. So right. we had Landon Michael for um, a little over a month. And then we went in for the 19 week anatomy scan. And we went in so confident because we were like, we already know it's a boy. Yes. This is going to be the same as Mason. It's so exciting. We were even overly excited where first baby, especially after everything we've been through, you're waiting for the ball to drop. I didn't exactly. I, I, yeah. I actually wanted you to talk about that a little bit because as <laughs> joyous as the experience was that you were naturally pregnant, um, that joy gets robbed 
because yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of women in the tribe that can relate to that, that you're so afraid. I mean, yes. you're, you're excited, but you almost don't allow yourself too much joy because no. you know, you, you lost everything that went, could go yes. wrong, went wrong for you. And, yes. and like you said, you're just like waiting for that other shoe to drop. So you were robbed of some of that joy yes. with, with your the pregnancy with Mason. Yeah. Mason, my husband wanted the belly buds to talk to him and listen to him. I detached myself. Um, I just didn't think about the pregnancy. It was really hard when he would move because I was like, don't get attached. Don't get attached. Just prepare, just prepare. Um, And my family's, you know, first grandchild on each side, we had six baby showers. They were so excited. Um, And each one, I felt bad receiving gifts because I was like, oh, please, please, please. Like the guilt, you know, something could go wrong. Um, I have a lot of scar tissue. I could hemorrhage again. Right. This might not be in his will, you know, like his will. Um, yeah. So, but with Finn, I said, I'm going to enjoy this pregnancy. Yes. I've got to have more faith. Like, you know, you've got to do this, you know, yeah. like it's, it's okay. It's, you know, and whatever happens, it's not your control. Right. So let me tell you that when I got pregnant with Finn, I was the most healthy I've been in my life next to IVF because I was pumping for Mason mm. and I wanted to make sure he was sleeping through the night at that point. I wanted to make sure I have, um, you know, all the nutrition for him that I'm getting nutrition because pumping completely takes everything yeah. out. And of there's him. one in the oven. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So, well, I didn't know that at the time, but, yeah. um, I was really, really healthy when I got pregnant with Finn. So, um, and Mason was born healthy and he, um, you know, I was very unhealthy when I got pregnant with him and Finn was not born healthy, but I did, you know, everything. So I was at least able to give myself that peace to know that I didn't, I truly didn't do anything wrong. Um, but at our, um, you know, I was like, let go enjoy his pregnancy. He's got a name now let's get a monogram, you know, let's do all this. Um, at 19 weeks we went in same text. She was so excited. She's like, I cannot believe this. You're one of my favorite people because this just shows hope. I cannot get over the moon. Yes. As soon as she put that probe down, immediate ghost face. And I was like, no, like I knew there was a heartbeat because I could feel him like crazy. Right. Um, I was like, something is up. And she, I was like, no, 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 no. Maybe she's just like, oh gosh, this machine is broken and this is embarrassing. Right. So she had me move around five different times. And every time she was going out, she was calling someone. Mm. It turned out later on, she was calling someone because the only doctor that was there that day had an emergency C-section and had to leave. There were no doctors there. And And she can't tell you anything. She cannot. So she was like, I can't not tell these people this baby is going to die. So she brought us in a room. Like finally, you know, my husband blurted out, what's going on? Like we've known you, we know something's wrong and you're only in one spot. You're not moving around. You haven't even asked us if we know the gender yet. Like we're so excited. We know the gender. Right. And she said, look, no one's here. And I just have to tell you something's wrong with your baby's heart, which is a very common thing of CHD or congenital heart disease defects. Um, parents, they just say something's wrong with your baby's heart. So she said, no one is here right now. I'm not a doctor. I cannot explain it. I'm going to put you in a room. We're going to call a doctor He's going to look at the scans and he's going to tell you. Right. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Go to an empty office where oh. this doctor should be there. 
And we're and like, wait. you know what? Yeah, we're like, hold out for hope. Maybe this is something serious that they think, but they're just going to tell us he has six fingers and we'll be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, fine. Yeah. we're fine with six fingers. We don't care. <clears throat> so um, he's on the phone. He's like, I'm really sorry, but your baby is not going to make it. He has no chambers in his heart. He doesn't have a pulmonary valve. There's no way this baby is going to survive. At 37 weeks, when the lungs are supposed to recognize the heart, it's not going to. And because of all of your recent surgeries, you cannot have a stillbirth like at home or that could be very dangerous for you. You have to think about yourself. I would highly consider termination because oh in the state of Virginia, you're getting very close to that um, that time where you can't legally um, right. abort. Um, so he said, <clears throat> I'm going to give you ran into the three options of abortion before even, you know, oh my which God. I understand, you know, it's a, it was a safety thing. Um, he said that um, they could kind of do a DNC, but it wasn't guaranteed that the baby would come out whole or breathing. Oh. Um, it was very detailed. Yeah. Um, he said that it was too late, unfortunately, to induce like a natural miscarriage at home. That wasn't going to happen. So the other option was to admit me on in the hospital with um, regular moms giving birth to healthy babies and know that this baby was going to be delivered and pass away. Oh and he God. said, I'm going to let you know they're not going to care about, you know, the baby's vitals. You know, it's not going to be like a normal birth because, you know, we know that he's not going to make it. So my husband and I were literally sick. Um, and we said, what more can we do to find out what's going on? And they yeah. said, you can get an amniocentesis, but there's also a 30% chance the baby can immediately die yep. from that. Yep. <clears throat> so I said, I want an amnio. I want to yeah. know what's going on. He said, you have to make a decision though, before the amnio results come back, because by the time the results come back, it's too late in the state of Virginia, if you want to abort. Now at this point, my husband and I didn't want to abort no matter what. Because you abort, you feel him. He's there. He's named. Yeah. He's there. Right. This is a miracle. Um, yeah. We're not giving up. We never right. give up. We're we're crazy. We're like, go big or go home. We'll live yes. in a cardboard box. We'll do whatever we have to do. So, um, but we just felt like that kind of wasn't given an, an option to us. Right. Um, <clears throat> so in less than a week, we went to several different other hospitals with pediatric cardiologists. <clears throat> and they also did the scans. Same thing. I'm so sorry. He's He's not going to make it. There's no surgery, no anything that's going to help with this. So um, so describe for us again, the heart, no chambers. Right. You're supposed to have four chambers that right. circulate the blood to necessary um, major organs like brain, lungs, um, but also everywhere. Sure. You know, Pulmonary. Yeah. Yes. I think there's a um, statistic and I could be wrong. So disclaimer on that, that it only <laughs> takes about um, 20 or 30 seconds for the heart to pump blood to everything from your fingertips to your eyes, to your brain, everything. Right. And without four chambers, how is it going to go anywhere? Okay. Um, his heart will just stop beating. And the concern was not just even bringing him to birth. Like you're not going to be able to bring him to birth period. And you've had all these surgeries. He's going to pass away. You can't have a monitor hooked up 24 seven. Right. Doesn't work like that. Um, I was also on a medication for a long time that was a high risk of blood clot. So they didn't want me bed rest because now I'm putting myself at danger. Sure. They didn't want to admit me for full term and be monitoring this baby because I could get a blood clot. Right. Um, <clears throat> so um, we finally, hospital number five, 
um, they said, we will help you bring him to full term. And I was like, hot dog. I am yeah. in. Um, I mean, I was, this sounds horrible. Like I'm going to use that phrase a lot, but we were just going to hide it and like not go to the doctor, you know? And like, yeah, just wait till you went into labor. If everybody was going to say that he wasn't going to make it, we just felt like right. this was kind of not pushed, right. but I know that they were considering our safety, but you know, we just, you had your mind made up. Right. So all along, even though we found a hospital that said we will support you bringing him to birth, they were two hours away. And I said, I don't care. Um, as long as it's safe for me to make those travels and for yep. me to work, um, <clears throat> then that's fine. Um, obviously it was a high risk pregnancy. We still did not tell anyone about this because yeah, this was a very interesting part of your story as you didn't share with anybody Correct. what you found out, <clears throat> right? Go get and some water. It's okay. If you want to get right. some water. Oh no, it's okay. I, okay. I always do this. This is leftover <laughs> from a couple weeks ago. When, so I, I do, I do have it prepared. Okay, but, good. Um, but so, uh oh, <laughs> I messed that up. That's okay. So we just, um, and I know this is a crazy decision. I don't regret it. Now, back this was five years ago. Um, social six years ago because of the pregnancy. Social media was a lot different then. Yeah. Um, I'm really impressed with social media nowadays um, that it doesn't matter if it's transgender, gay, abortion, political, every, it's like everybody share your story yeah. because you're helping somebody. Everyone is so supportive now with sharing. It wasn't like that then. Right. And I remember a pivotal moment where it was getting close to the birth and still no one knew we still had an infant baby and I didn't want to tell the grandparents because obviously your natural reaction is to be very upset and sure. Google everything. And I didn't want them to not enjoy their time with Mason because they, and look at him and think, what yeah. if it was him? Right. So <clears throat> really, honestly, it wasn't even about the stress for us. IVF was the stress for us because IVF is stressful and it would be more stressful if family was asking us 24 seven, did you get the shot today? Is it egg retrieval right. time? What's right. going on? Are you eating healthy? I'd be like, Bruh. you know, yeah. so, but this was different. I didn't want it to ruin Mason's, um, yeah. so young and also their experience, you know, with him, it's sad. Anybody's going to be sad if you know, you're going to lose a baby. And, um, <clears throat> so I, we just made that decision and my husband didn't even tell his job. I had to, because I was going to a zillion doctor's appointments, right. um, two hours away and they were so supportive. Um, they were so supportive. My boss who took me to the hospital that time and pretend to be yes. my husband yes. and HR were the only ones that knew. Wow. Um, so the other people just thought my doctor's appointments were because of the loss of the everything world. else that you've gone through. Yeah. Right. And we told people we didn't want any baby showers because we knew it was a boy and we just had a boy. And honestly, we didn't need a bunch of stuff anyways, Sure. but I truly felt the guilt on about, you know, he's probably not going to make it. I, you know, um, but talking about the name earlier, we were planning his funeral this whole time because oh my God. you know, even with someone supporting us to full term, Michael and I just, my husband is Michael. We just truly didn't feel that Landon Michael was his name. We were just like, if we're, if this baby's going to have some legacy with us, that he was a fighter, from the beginning <clears throat> that it's even a miracle that he I'm pregnant with him. Right. We feel like he needs a stronger name. Um, not like butch or killer or something, yeah. but you know, yeah. 
like just something with meaning. And so his first name is Finley and we call him Finn and Finley means warrior, um, which my grandmother loved because she's Irish. So yes. um, if you're Irish and you know, Finn McCool, um, that's where that came from. Very cool. Um, so his middle name is Noah, which means long live. So we just prayed that he would live up to both. And we said, you know, even if he doesn't, he will have always been a warrior and he'll Absolutely. be long lived within us. Yes. Um, Beautiful. We figured out what we were going to do, you know, all of the arrangements and everything. Um, but again, if family knew this, you know, just common conversation for yeah. my husband and I to be talking about that, that would have been horrible. Yeah, it would um, have been very dark. Right. And it was just a personal decision to not do that. Um so Finn's scheduled C-section was on January 2nd, and we chose to tell everyone on New Year's Eve, just sort of as a... Because um, now you made it past 37 yeah. weeks. Yes. And so we tell me a, about that, that 37 we weeks. Yeah, and we needed a babysitter week. for Mason because we were surprised we're delivering oh, out of town. Yeah. And we might be there for a while. Yeah. Um, so um, making it past the 37 weeks was pretty crazy, but I tried to mentally not keep track. Yeah. Every app on my phone I took off that was yeah. like, hey, your baby's the size of an avocado right. today and you're doing this. I was like, no. <clears throat> um, and people ask, was his heart rate the same when I was pregnant? It was the same. He's never had a pacing issue. His mm. heart rate and rhythm was fine when I was pregnant. Um, it was the anatomy behind it. Right. He was safe when I was pregnant. So approaching the birth was so much anxiety. Um mm. And again, of course, if it can happen, it will happen. I had such bad complications with his birth that they had to put me under general anesthesia. So oh, my man. husband was, um, God rest his soul, back there, you know, wondering what's taking so long for them to do the spinal on her. They said 10 minutes, it's been over 30. And they came out and said, not sure what's going to happen with your wife, not sure what's going to happen with <sighs> your baby, but you need to sit here in this waiting room with a bunch of other people and we'll wait as soon as you can. Oh my yep. God. So Finn was born at 901 and I didn't come out of anesthesia until about five or six o'clock that night. Wow. And the best part of the whole experience was whether he made it or not, I just wanted to know what he weighed, how long he was and a picture of him. Yeah. And I had a nurse named Berkeley. I will never forget her name. You're not supposed to have anything in the OR, no cell phones, nothing. <clears throat> she took my cell phone and she, this was before passcodes on phones and yeah. everything was free to everyone. Yeah. And she took a picture of Finn when he was born Aww. and it was on my phone. So when I was finally able to wake up, I knew what he looked like yes. and I was, he was so blue. Um, he looked like he was already gone. So, Aww. you know, I didn't know. <clears throat> um, he was hooked up to breathing machines right away, brought to the NICU. This was during a very bad cold and flu season in Virginia. So no one was allowed down there. Right. Um, even if family wanted to, they were not allowed to come up. Certainly right. not um, siblings, certainly not with a heart condition. Sure. Um, <clears throat> only mom and dad. We weren't even allowed to hold him. And I was so drugged up because I was under general yeah, worse than like a spinal that even at six o'clock when we um, went down there, um, I wanted to go down there and see him. And what I was getting at before and then got distracted with the picture. 
um, my old OB, the one about um, wrong hole. That's yeah. she, how she's known now. Yeah. She um, drove all the way to Charlottesville. Wow. And surprised me. And you're not even supposed to have guests, but she did her residency there. So she still had her clearance. Yeah, <clears throat> she did. And she was able to get the birth weight and all the information for me. Oh. And I love her so much for that. And I was just smiling so big. I was like, thank you so much. And she's yes. like, you know, sometimes we got to do what we got to do. Yes. And um, she got that for me. And I was just so grateful for her. She couldn't stay long but because um, she was working the next day. But I was so surprised that she um, got that information from yeah. me because we still didn't know they were running tests on him. They were trying to get him stable. Um, and she also was able to help get me to be able to hold him, even though I wasn't, I was so drugged up in the NICU. If you've ever been in NICU, it's a lot of pods. You don't have. Yes. Yeah. And apparently I was very loud <laughs> and, um, I was like, well, if I can't hold him, I'm going to sing from here and I'm going to make oh. sure that he hears me. And I was singing bingo. That was Mason's favorite song at the time. Oh, so man. finally the nurse was like, just let her, just let her hold him. Just let, yeah. her, yeah. let her hold him. And his respiratory weight rate, even on breathing machine was very high. His heart rate was very high and the whole skin to skin thing, the whole, your babies know their parents. So true. As soon as I held on to him, the nurses were looking at his machines and they were like, He's stabilizing. It was so cool. Oh my God. I didn't know at the time, but my husband took a video because he was just so excited and he knew he couldn't, he wasn't going to push it and be like, can I hold him? Too? Right. You know, that was fine. Um, but we were able to hold him for about <clears throat> a couple of minutes and then they took him off to do some MRIs. Finn ended up making it. Yeah. Um, he spent the better majority of the first year of his life in the hospital he had 10 surgeries during that time, including one open heart surgery. He was able to finally come home um, with nursing and like feeding tubes. And he was on and off oxygen <clears throat> at some points. Um, but he made it and yeah. he was home for about 11 months. And then he went into heart failure again. And we, since he was born, we knew more about his anatomy. We right. ended up finding out way more stuff about him, um, that he had a condition called heterotaxy. It's not genetic or anything. It's just luck of the draw. Right. And heterotaxy means that your organs are out of place and misformed. His heart was the most affected, but his lungs were also reversed. So if you, oh, wow. his are reversed, that okay. doesn't affect his breathing. But if you're putting a chest tube in and they say right lung, well, his right or your right, it's very right. Okay. Um, he also has heterotopia of his brain. So he started having seizures. Um, there's nothing you can do for that. Um, and he also had malrotations of his bowels. So he ended up needing a feeding tube to make sure that, um, he was on all liquid and getting the nutrition that he needed to grow. Right. When he was one year old, he was only 13 pounds because he was bedridden for so long. Sure. Um, so at, 11, you know, he was home for the 11 months, went into heart failure. Once we knew more about him, we were able to pair him up with a hospital that could specifically take care of those right. needs. Right. And we interviewed five hospitals in the nation from California to Texas to um, Boston. And we chose the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Yeah. Which, um, side note, I thought that Philadelphia would be super boring, but it is the most fun family place ever. Oh, yes. And they're such about brotherhood. And, you know, you ask somebody 
you know, directions and they're all for it and they love right. talking about their city. It, just huge surprise on that. So yay, Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Finn, um, we went up there and unfortunately they confirmed he needed a major anatomical repair, like a big one um, to bring him to adulthood because right. of his past, they just weren't really sure. And they were operating on him and they'd never been in. Right. So the day before his surgery, we signed life support. This was all over again, like from pregnancy. Yeah. And we just said, this is the best opportunity for him. It's we, he's here for a reason. And yes. we just need to, if something's going to happen, we need to know that we did everything that we yes. could. Right. We did the research. We're comfortable with this. Um, and they're very humble and honest. Um, so we went in, we assumed, um, based on talking to the surgeon that this would be about an eight hour procedure, um, and just two weeks before they did a cath on him and they said, unfortunately, because of his anatomy, he actually didn't qualify. He wasn't a good candidate for the only two surgeries available for him, which are biventricular repair and Fontan. Okay. If anyone's watching is a CHD or um, heart warrior parent, he did not qualify for that. Um, but if he didn't have some sort of surgery and repair, it was not, it was going to be painful for him and hard for him and right. he would have suffered. And we right. didn't want that. No. Um, <clears throat> so this procedure, we were told that it was probably going to be at about eight hours. Um, if he made it through that, um, life support was for sure going to happen, but don't worry. It's just to give his heart a rest. It's called ECMO. Um, and we could hopefully get him off it. It would be a long, you know, we're going to slow and steady. Right. Um, so we went into this surgery just if you look at my live updates from the day before and that day, I was white as a ghost. I it looked bet. like I was a hundred years old. Um, and it was really um, difficult. And then if you look at the live from when he came out of surgery, um, we were really concerned because the surgeon came in very quickly to talk to us. And I'm like, oh, he's out of the OR. You don't right. go out of the OR and then go back in because right. of infection. Sure. You're done if you come out. Right. And we were really worried and took us into the little room. And he said his procedure was completed in 37 minutes. He has had no complications. His breathing wow. tube is out. And you might want to get in there because he's standing up in his crib and I can't get him sedated. Oh my <laughs> and God. I was I'm like, cry. What? And he said, um, he had gone in with oxygen of 70%. Our goal was 80, 88. That was the goal. He was sitting at a hundred percent. We thought we'd never see that number ever. And, um, he said, you know, we don't want him to sit at a hundred for a long time. That's too much of a change. Um, so, but he is literally standing up in his crib and he just said this so casually. And this man had been operating for over 37 years there and he was about to retire. And I remember him walking down the hall and I was just in shock. And yeah. he goes, do you have any questions? And I'm like, nope, nope, I do not. And he was walking down the hall and I stopped him and I said, um, his name is Dr. Spray. He's no longer there. And I said, Dr. Spray, um, what are you going to go do now? Are you, you're done early. Are you going to have a steak dinner to yeah. celebrate or like, what are you going to do? And he said, Oh, I'm early on my next case. Now I've got another one in the OR. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I mean, this man is just, yeah, it was just amazing. And for the first time in handing him over 14 times to be yeah. sedated, yeah. I could not believe that I was able to just <clears throat> finally be that family that, yeah 
something positive actually yes. happened. Yes. After all of the rounds of preparing for something in my life, um, it was the most magical moment. And I don't think anything mm. will ever top it, no matter oh. what happens in the future. Yes. And I was like, if you guys allowed glass in here, we would be popping champagne. Yes. I would be having balloons. Yes. I was like, what can I do for you people? Every day at rounds that he was there, he went home in seven days. Every day that they came wow. through, they would joke with me and say, because I'm in Philadelphia up north, and they would say, you must be from the south because you are very happy and <laughs> excited. And they would always ask me if I had any questions or concerns. And I'm like, nope, you don't nope. even have to do a thing. You don't have to come to me. Yeah. You do whatever you want to do. Um, you obviously know. And yeah. I'm, I've always been like that ever since we've been there. It's been over three years now. And they must think I'm crazy because I just say, do whatever you want. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you never even have to ask me because you know, and you know him and you were the right fit for him once yes. more. But um, so random fun fact, um, his surgery was in September. Um, the Super Bowl that year was early February. Yes. And Philadelphia was coincidentally in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I had told um, just like on social media, I said, I just want to make it clear that I know Philadelphia is going to win. We didn't even know if they were going yet at this point, because this was in, you know, September. <clears throat> I said, I know that Philadelphia is going to win. And I know that the score is going to have something to do with the number 37. I just know it because yeah. I've been, I just know it. I'm, I'm like feeling extra hopeful and spirit, you know? Like yes, spirit. yes. And lo and behold, not only did they win, but if you added the scores up and divided by two, it was 37. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So um, so how has been doing now? Yes. He had about two years of um, pretty much nothing but some follow-up appointments. And then this past November, he did have a stroke. But when you have this severe heart disease, which Finn still does not have chambers in his heart, right. everything is rerouted. Um, <clears throat> he would not have survived what's called biventricular repair. His heart is shifted and those chambers would have collapsed. Mm. He just wouldn't have survived. Kids grow. Yeah. And he just wouldn't have been able to grow with that. Um, he did have a stroke this past November. Luckily, we were in a very public place in a grocery store, a Wegmans. And he was able to get help immediately. We were mm -hmm. able to get up to Philadelphia. Um, they did a bunch of scans and found out he had a subdural, I think it's called a brain bleed, not related to the stroke. But it's a blessing that we found that. We would right. have never known. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then he just has follow-ups. But to me... Um, the stroke was scary at the time, but you always know when you have heart disease, whether you're one or a hundred, you're at high risk for seizures, heart attack, and stroke. It could happen okay. at any time. Right. So I've always just mentally been prepared. The reason why it was double hard was because bringing in the siblings in this, right. Mason, they're a year apart. They are best friends. And he was with me and he saw it right. and he ended up needing to go to counseling afterwards because- <laughs> He got very emotional and could not shake it. And if Finn so much as had a piece of lint on him, he thought he was going to die. Oh, and <clears throat> it was very difficult um, for him. So which yeah. made it hard. Once Finn was out of the stroke and he was speaking clearly again, um, it was like for him, it never happened. Right. Um, but yes, so my stories are very long, but that <laughs> is from the beginning to yes. now. 
Um, we truly do not know what's going to happen. Um, there are only a few kids with this severe heart defects that are now living in their 30s. That's the mm-hmm. oldest. Because back then, um, if you rewind 30 years, if there was barely a chance for Finn five years ago, you right. can imagine 30 years ago. <clears throat> um, but it's the number one defect, CHD, birth defect in babies. Um, it far outweighs... Um, Down syndrome, cancer, um, spina bifida, yeah, preemie, everything, Um, and that's not to compete per se. It's just for the awareness. Yeah, most of the kids who have a heart defect, your heart is your major, you know, organ. It normally does have effect on other things. So CHD parents are often surprised if they don't network with other moms prior, which I did not have that network to find out that their child has breathing problems, feeding problems, possible seizures or stroke, um, learning disabilities. Um, So that was um, a little bit difficult to dive into because you think if you haven't networked with other families, once they do the surgery, if they survive, they're fixed and they're good. and that's unfortunately not the case. He will always have low oxygen for him. We don't want it to sit at a hundred because it's too much, sure. too much circulation because he doesn't have the right circulation. Um, his magic number is 93 and they don't want him below 85 if he has a cold. But okay. as you can imagine, anytime we go into an urgent care for an ear infection, even a pulse ox of 93, they're, you know, right. yes. but it's a balance of not being a helicopter mom and playing yeah. doctor yeah. with letting and letting them do everything and also kind of being like, Oh, surprise. He has a heart defect. So right. why didn't you tell me? Um, right. so, um, but he's doing really well. Um, my work was very supportive when all of this happened. And unfortunately I did lose my job because I was in the hospital so long, sure. um, but it was a blessing because they held it for me for seven months and they only wow. had to hold it for the FMLA and my maternity leave but they were so wonderful. Um, and they called HR and said, we know you're not going to come to work on Monday. Right. And I said, no, we're still in the hospital. Um, she said, okay, you know, we're at the point where we have to, you know, hire. And I said, it's honestly a relief because I felt guilty that you guys were holding it for this long. And I don't think I'm going to be coming back. And, um, there's just no way he has physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, And a lot of parents during heart month, this is heart month. um, I see a lot of, um, which this is fine, um, posts of really um, difficult photos of, you know, kids, the kids hooked up to all the tubes after open heart surgery. And it says, this is CHD. This is what we go through. Yeah, it is. But we also go through amazing triumphs. And it's not to say that a picture of him twirling around and you'd never know is hiding CHD and saying, you know, but it's just, they can be their version of normal kids. Yeah. We saw him, um, now pre-surgery. If you saw him, you would know something's up. He had a giant head, tiny body tubes, um, very blue. You would know. Yeah. Um, Now you would not know. Right. He's crazy. My, my healthy son is like, a 60 year old <laughs> and my CHD child is crazy right up for lost time. Um, Hurricane Finn. <laughs> he is tiny terror. Um, he just doesn't give up. 
Um, but wonder where he got that from. I know, right? <laughs> but we, he does have these amazing triumphs. And um, when we were in the hospital for the really long period when he was a baby, there were two times where they said, this probably isn't going to go very much further because yeah. you can't live with chest tubes your whole life. You can't keep draining. Right. Um, and I hadn't had family come up to protect him because of germs, you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> so I did a bunch of crazy stuff in the hospital and I was very lucky to have supportive nurses. He really hadn't been outside other than to and from, you know, a, an ambulance. Right. Um, he hadn't felt grass. I ordered sod and had it delivered to the hospital just a you know, little, a little a sample, yeah. yeah, a sample thing of sod, and he sat on grass for the first time. Hated it. We were all <laughs> excited. We closed the curtains. You know, the nurse to do his vitals, and we were all excited. He hated it. <laughs> what baby likes grass, right? <laughs> but he felt it. He'd never seen bubbles, so we had a bubble machine in there. Yes. Also dangerous. It made the floor very slippery. Yeah. Um. We celebrated Shark Week, a full week because his name is Finn. Like, and yeah. he loved watching sharks yes. on TV and Nemo. Um, so we made the hospital bed like a cage with sharks and oh all of his gosh. tubes like a scuba diver. Amazing. Um, and made shark art and watched Shark Week and did shark facts. I even see sharks on the on the on the wall back there behind you. <laughs> yes, this was some of the art that we made. It says 2015 um, Shark Week Seven. Yep. That was when we were in there. Yeah. Um, and then we, um, we also did, um, you know, some other things. It was summertime when the really bad stuff was happening and he didn't qualify for transplant. Everybody was on vacations. He'd never been to the beach. And I said, can you guys, it's kind of an emergency, like quick, but can you guys followers, friends, family mail us a little piece of sand, a little bit of sand from your beach trip or where you oh, live. Oh, that's so great. <clears throat> yeah. And then we're going to put it in a big little sandbox, like a little sandbox. Yep. And he can have a beach day on my birthday, which was July 16th. Yeah. And it was so funny because first of all, people sent sand from everywhere, France, um, oh, like wow. everywhere. And that, and we kept, you know, a little bit of every, in a bottle, but, um, some people sent like two pounds of sand. <laughs> so Every day I was sneaking in a wagon full of sand and hiding right. it in our bathroom. Yes. I can't have a bunch of sand. I mean, I don't know if I could, but right. um, so he had a little beach day. He loved that. Amazing. Um, we just did all these things in the hospital. I had a nurse help sneak him outside because he'd never really truly been outside. Right. Other than transport. <clears throat> um, he wore his little sunglasses because he he was like a vampire. He'd never sure. seen right. real sun. And he went out in his little red wagon and she helped sneak him out. He had gone down for testing and she said, we're going to take a little detour and yep. I'm going to go out on the court and we're yeah. going to, you know, go out there, but we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> we were able to do that. Um, I just said, if I'm going to be here, I want to make the most of it for him. Yeah. And it's not to say that I can't be sad around him, but. When we were first in the hospital, I was a mess. And I think yeah. that that's okay to, you have to do whatever you have to do. It was a lot for me. We had just told people. Now everybody is messaging me what's going sure. on. Yep. It's um, overwhelming. Oh my gosh. And I can say that when people do so, so social media community pages to update people, it is a godsend. No one yeah. can mix up information and do the telephone right. game. It's there. I can get to questions from family and friends when I can get to it. Yep. I don't have a zillion calls that's taking yes. away time. 
Um, <clears throat> it's amazing. And now with live being able to be interactive and say, grandma says hi. Yes. Um, it was a huge blessing. Um, and now to be able to look back on those memories to see how far he's come. Um, but I just said, if I'm going to make the most of it, I'm going to make the most of it. And since he's been home, we have been a pioneer, I guess is the word, or ninja warrior for volunteer work because sitting in that hospital for so long and having a chance to be out, I asked this cardiologist, um, I said, I know it's like cold and flu, but can I take him to some volunteer stuff, whether it's a blood drive or hospital radiothon or whatever I can find. And yeah, just use normal hand washing. You know, other families have to go back to work and have to go to daycare right? right. or have an in-home nurse. Um, You have to do what you have to do. We're not going to tell you ever to not live your life. Right, right. So I said, okay. So one volunteer (laughs) thing turned into just crazy because it ended up not only being good for our family because so many organizations and people gave back to us when we were in the hospital and we felt like we were paying it forward and it was therapeutic, yes. but it was amazing for him because if we had been a bubble parent, which is okay, it is scary yeah. to go through right. that. But if we had done that, <clears throat> he's about to go to kindergarten, which is a godsend. Yes. Um, you know, you don't know if they're going to make it, but they yeah. might make it and they might do great. Yeah. So he's now in a position where he has gained so much physical therapy, occupational therapy, social skills um, from just doing all of the yes. volunteer things. He's loved it. He's not shy. He right. is the opposite of shy. Like I'm concerned he might actually get in trouble for being right. you no know, class clown. And it's such an amazing um, <clears throat> gift to have had this um, yes. for him to go into these and also showing us that um, another pivotal moment when he was having that stroke and he was out and right. I assumed it was heart attack and I assumed that this was it. I just mm. assumed not once was I thinking we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Right. Um, You've done everything. I never took him to the beach. I was too scared. I was yeah. too scared he would be dehydrated. I never let him go to school, but I spent time with him. I was like, man, we've been able to do so much stuff. He has done more stuff in his five years of life, almost five years than anybody. And it was also kind of pivotal for me personally, because, you know, everybody's always concerned about what people think about them with how they look or their weight or, you know, what people think about them or judging like a picture of a car seat. And it's like, oh gosh, you're supposed to have the clips like this. Right. Not once in that moment did I think, what are people, you know, like no. that time that I was worried about my hair, that no. time that I gained weight because of this, not once. And yeah. I took from that, even though I was pretty confident with all of that anyways, I took away from that experience like, wow, it really doesn't matter in the no. end. People yeah. say that, but it truly doesn't matter. All that matters is that moment and you <clears throat> and him. Yeah. And your tribe, your immediate tribe. Yes. And that was just such an important, I don't ever wish that it would have happened. Of course. I'm grateful if it had to happen, it was in a public place, not in his sleep that we know about it, Mm -hmm. that I was able to get help and that I was actually able to take something away from it. Um, you know, that was like, it really doesn't matter. And truly it was just a new awakening since he'd been doing so well for so long. And you kind right. of forget a little bit that sure. you can switch back to that place at any minute. Um, it was like a reminder. You know, 
a refocus. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. Like the little things, like if I switch this phone around, it's going to be a mess. Different. Here. Yes. And yes. It does not matter. You know, right. Like that truly can wait and it's memories and lessons of cleaning up and yeah. um, Mary Poppins style. Let's make a game out of this. Yes. Um, yes. And, and Kelly, I have to ask you because yes. throughout this whole story, even from the beginning, your never give up, you know, rose colored glasses. It's, it seems like it's something that you were born with, that you have this innate ability to find the good and to see the good. And I want to know more about that because you have been through so much struggle. Do you feel like you have a gift for finding your strength in struggle or did you have to work at it? Yes. Yeah, so the whole nature versus nurture, I yeah. truly feel like in my particular case, it's 50, 50, because I do come from a line of givers. My great grandmother in 1965 raised $45,000 for the American heart association organically, no social media, mm. nothing, just storing a bunch of cash. Um, there was a newspaper article that I still have from the sixties of her kids. Um, my grandmother and my aunt donating their birthday party to a local, um, children's um, orphanage and right. all of the, you know, which back then was not a thing. Now it's like, it's amazing when people do that. Sure, uh, <clears throat> I've always had that. I've always had that sense of adventure because of my grandmother. She, even with struggling with lupus and a lot of pain, we would go on all these adventures and she would say, just say yes, or just say thank you. If someone wants to offer to do something for you, don't be like, oh no, no, I'm okay. Right. Like, that's too nice. They wouldn't be offering unless they wanted to. Yeah. And I get that now because I love, it brightens my spirit to be able to do things for other people. And, you know, the smallest thing of just being in the grocery store line and complimenting someone on their shoes when you right. can tell they have had a rough day. Right. Or holding a door or bringing someone's groceries out. Little things, big things, whatever. And I 100% got that from her. Yeah. But if you ask my mom, prior <laughs> to everything, infertility, Finn, I did not like change. And as she put it, I did not like my apple cart turned. So ah. things like fertility and things that you wouldn't think could happen to you. Things you don't have control over. Right. Yes. Anxiety through the roof, like a flat tire or, you know, things like that. It was like panic and why me and a pity party and I'm the victim and right. this is not fair. And um, <clears throat> definitely a mix of 50-50. Um, I truly don't think that you can just go into it because especially with a child um, and, you, you know, from the infertility, the hormones and the medicines and the it is a lot. On it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And, um, I truly feel like it's 50 50. But I will say that the one thing that stayed consistent through everything um, and again, most of this reverts back to my grandmother, which my mom is a, and my dad are both a lot like this too, is perspective. She always used to tell me all these Maggieisms. Her name was Maggie. And there's like yeah. top, top 10. And um, <clears throat> she had a couple. And one of them with, with the perspective was, um, don't notice the dust on the table first thing in the morning. Notice the flowers in the vase. Don't notice the dust on the table. Right. You know, there's always people that are going to have more than you, always people that are going to have less than you. It's all about perspective. Yeah. Um, and mindset. Is, it really is mindset. Yeah. It totally is. And you can't, and it's okay to be out of that. 
Right. But do what you need to do to grieve or de-stress. The biggest thing for me getting through all of this stress um, is, first of all, not only is it okay to ask for help, if people are offering to help you, whether it's mowing your grass, doing a meal train, do not say no. They want right. to help. Yeah. Just say yes. You do not have to pay it back. You can pay it forward later on. Right. A week, a month, a year. You can pay it forward. Just be a kind person. That's how yeah. you can pay it forward. People truly want to help. Yeah, it's um, pretty amazing what you said about uh, finding gratitude through being of service to others. Because I find that it really, truly is the fastest way outside of yourself. Yes, I, I truly do. I mean, we can get stuck inside of ourselves and that's where fear lives and that's where shame lives and that's where trauma lives. And the fastest way outside of yourself truly is being of service to others. And and speaking of that, um, you let's, let's talk a little bit about how you guys are helping others through your experience and your strength. So three things I want you to talk about, and then I'm going to ask you to share with the audience where they can continue to follow you and keep up with the updates with Mason and Finn. Um, but tell us about Faces of Finn. Oh, sure. So, oh, I have it here, actually. Coincidentally, there's one down here. That wasn't Great. even planned. That wasn't even planned. <laughs> um, so Faces of Finn is a book. It's just a small little hardback book. And um, it's two years in the making. Um, no matter what this kid went through, he always had some sort of either face <laughs> that was comedic or smiling. All kids are normally like this. It's resiliency. Yeah. It's their perspective. Yeah. They're not really caring about, they're not nervous about their future. They're not nervous about, no. are they going to live? They're like, they're oh, free and joyous. Is their mommy? Then I'm yeah. good. Um, <clears throat> they don't anticipate, you know, oh, I might get an MRI today. You know, that's right. not what they're doing. He always had a face for everything. And that's what got me through a lot in the hospital was this beautiful innocence of yeah. um, just unaware um, and knowing that I could take that on for him. I can't take away what he's going through, but I can take away, even though he doesn't know what he's going through mentally so yeah. that he can have his smiles. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was two years in the making because it is not easy to do a book, <laughs> do it right. It is not easy with all the barcodes and everything. Yeah. And I was very, very lucky that an amazing family, the Driggers family um, was seeing me, you know, when people would comment, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And I'm like, eh, it's not easy. I'm just a mom. Right. They took this on um, about a year ago and <clears throat> it, came true. So Yay. 100% of the proceeds of this book go to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia Cardiac Research. Fantastic. So, um, so where do we get the book? Oh, so um, you can find the easiest way because the actual website is really, really long. Um, the easiest way is we have a social media outlet on Facebook called Prayers for Finn. Okay, and I'm going to type it into the um, chat so everybody sees it. Sure. So the actual URL is um, www.facebook.com slash prayers for baby Finn. But it'll yeah. take you um, to that. What will, what can happen will, and I can't type. So, oh, okay. well, so say it one more time. <laughs> sure. So the actual URL, um, if you just go into browser, is www.facebook.com slash prayers for baby thin, two ends, and prayers thin. plural. Um, but you can just search prayers for thin and you'll see this. Yes. Um, but it's got... Um, 
just I'll just turn to a random page. Um, so it's got a face and an inspirational oh, quote on amazing. every page, and then um, a dedication, and then and about us in the back. Yeah. But um, twenty five uh, faces, but a hundred percent of the proceeds go to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, um, which and you and Finn volunteer at tell us a little bit about what you guys do for um children's hospital of philadelphia so anytime we're up there which is pretty frequent um sometimes they'll have radiothons sometimes they'll just have you know fundraisers or telethons um there's always something going on so we're always participating we also do their yearly events um <clears throat> called uh philly spin-in mm -hmm. which last year raised over half a million dollars for okay. cardiac research um at philadelphia which is fantastic. They're one of the leaders in, you know, cardiac research, um, specifically for, you know, kids. And right. there's not a lot of that out there because you don't know, you can't normally test something on a child first. It trickles. Sure. Down, you know? yeah. Um, so it's just amazing, an amazing, um, hospital and organization. Obviously we're very passionate about it. Um, so we just, um, do whatever they have going on there, but we participate in their spin in every year. And it's obviously a very, cardiac high intense event. If yes. you have never taken a spinning class, this is called soul spin. So yeah. it's, it's about like 10 steps up. Oh, wow. Spinning fire and like, oh my gosh, I'm, I have high blood pressure. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to be careful. In there. Um, but it's an, it's just unity and a lot of heart families and people inspired by heart families, doctors, nurses, yeah. just coming together to um, ride for little hearts. And yeah. it's amazing to hear all these stories of heart warriors. They're all different, but the emotion is the same. So it's nice. And to also see where, um, technology has come and is going. Yeah. And it's amazing for us because the biggest thing for us at these events is we actually get to meet kids that are older and that right. is so hopeful for us yes. and we're able to ask them questions that they can cognitively answer unlike my five-year-old yeah um, who says he'd rather have open heart surgery than the flu shot because he was asleep <laughs> during open heart surgery <laughs> so <laughs> hey that makes perfect sense so we're able to ask questions there are teenagers and kids going to college and kids doing internships and who have had multiple open heart surgeries right and they can tell us things and it's so inspiring for us um, and new families that are, you know, new coming in and being able to talk to them. And I'm like, oh gosh, that was us yes. one, one day back. Um, yeah. but pretty much anything they have going on, we love to be able to support any, um, projects, um, pretty much with all of our volunteer work in every Avenue, no matter what organization, if we're available, which normally we are, the answer You're is there. yes. I don't yeah. care if it's Arizona, California preferably Hawaii, you know? yeah. <laughs> wherever we are, if we can find a way to do it, yeah. I am there. I don't care if I'm tired. You never remember yeah. if you're tired or stressed. You remember the amazing moments and yeah. it's been a blessing for our children to be able to see other kids that are like Finn. It's a normal thing to them now. Yeah. Chest scar. Um, recently, so yeah, recently our dog and our two cats got spayed and my two sons think that they got open heart surgery because of the scar. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, um, on behalf of the tribe, you know, you, you obviously are so upbeat and so uplifting and carry so much joy. And, and I really think that's founded deeply in gratitude 
the way you've explained, you know, your, your five years with Finn, you're grateful for every second because you weren't supposed to have it. Um, you say that you're grateful for your struggles because within them you found your strength. I'd love for you to tell us your advice for staying positive while enduring traumatic events in life um, to anybody who's watching. You know, the beautiful disaster tribe is made up of warriors. It's made up of women that have been through hell and back, women who, um, you know, have been victims, women who are survivors, women who have traumas of their own. And it's hard to imagine finding joy, finding silver linings, finding the strength in the struggle. So, you know, what would you say to women who are going through any types of traumas or struggles in their life on how to find that strength? Yeah. So that's a really good question. And um, my family actually asks me that a lot. Like, why aren't you in a straitjacket yet? Um, <laughs> like, well, um, and this took some time, but I had to realize, number one, <clears throat> what does bring me joy? Even if it's something simple for me, that would be besides, you know, the obvious of my kids and being around them um, and just, you know, being with them and like snuggling them. Um, some things that help me that bring me joy are um, watching cat videos on YouTube <laughs> and Dove Milk Chocolate, and they have the inspirational phrases. In yes. That. Anything laughing. So I'm a big Office fan of the show. Yep. So, you know, watching that, <clears throat> um, you know, finding out what makes you, you know, happy, whether it's a song or, you know, this, but more importantly, the opposite of that. If you know something is toxic for you, whether it's a person, a place, a smell, a thing, mm -hmm. you cannot think twice about that. You have to get that out. Like you a non-negotiable. It is non-negotiable. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's a family member, your best right. friend. If you cannot take care of yourself and your unit, you cannot give to others. Yeah. And it will go downhill <clears throat> very, very, very quickly. Um, normal things of putting pressure on yourself or guilty, that will all be a, just a little bit easier if you know that you've put yourself in a position where you are surrounded by, even if it's awkward for you, things that are more, I don't want to say positive, like sunshine and rainbows. It's right. just, you know, if there's that Uncle Earl that you know every time he's going to give you a hard time, whether you have to be honest or make up a lie, do not go around Uncle Earl. Yeah, right. Or just get him out. Yeah. Um, or, and that's been some really tough decisions in to be straightforward in my husband and I's life. It's been very tough decisions on that. But then once those decisions were made to take those toxic things out, yep. it was like, wow, lesser of two evils here. We're free. Yes. Um, we, it, it was a huge difference. And again, it could be a place. It could be a job. It could be, yeah. there's no way I could mentally handle all this if I was working right now and yes, it means making, you know, living lower means and not having yeah. a Mercedes. We've never had a Mercedes, but you know, not you sure. know, doing that. And you know, when you go on a vacation, staying with in-laws, you don't have a palace, you know, right. you can still have a version of those dreams and things that you want. You just have to work on it a little bit and yeah. not only be okay with it, but embrace it. And, you know, make your, my goal is to not make, 
the lemons out of lemonade for myself because I'm pretty confident I can do that and just get by. My goal is to make lemoncello and have it be just a little, like try a little bit harder, you know, because I know I can, you know, whether you take the, it day by day, minute by minute, um, but mainly know what is not good for you and get that out. Recognizing your triggers. Yeah. And at the end of the day, just every day, be good to yourself. That doesn't mean, you know, people used to give me a hard time. You need time for yourself. You need a girl's weekend. You need a, I, I truly do know what I need, even though I don't like to admit it sometimes. And, um, what I need is to give myself grace and no vacation. A vacation is just a temporary thing. I'm going to come home to the same issues of me being hard on myself or, you know, whatever. You've got to give yourself grace at the end of the day and understand that it's impossible for everything to get done. You're, you've got to let go of the things you don't have control over. For yeah. me, once I had that, that was huge for me. Yeah. Um, again, a grandmother thing, worrying doesn't solve tomorrow of its problems. It strips today of its strengths. If you truly do not have control over it, yes, I might be a little bit worried because that's normal. I'm not going to let it control my life. And take away the joy that's in front of me with my kids. They're obviously not letting it bother them. Yes. So, um, well, Kelly, I think you have a second book that you need to write. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) about, about finding the strength in your struggles. And it has been just an absolute joy to hear your story. It's been a joy to watch you light up telling it because, you know, there's so many moments that, were dark and difficult and didn't have a a silver lining that you could see. And you just radiate with joy and gratitude from, you know, the victories that you do have. You really are an example of celebrating life every day because you don't know what, you truly don't know what tomorrow will bring. And it's just been so wonderful getting to know you and your story and uh, in closing, if you could please let us know where to follow along on the journey of Finn and Mason and all the things to come. So how do we stay connected with you? Sure. So the main place is just the um, the Facebook page, the um, just search prayers for Finn or the URL www.facebook.com slash prayers for um, baby Finn. Okay, fantastic. And no, what about Instagram? We do have Instagram, but I don't have enough memory on my phone to have it. So my friend Sarah runs it and she just had a new baby. So she tries to copy everything as much as she can. It's not as updated, but that's at Prayers for Finn on Instagram. Okay. And then you have a website where you blog and you write different stories and stuff. What's your website? Yes. um, It's uh, Life in Bloom. And I think it's just www.lifeinbloom. And it's B-L-U-M-E. Yes, thank you. Um, You're welcome. My last name's Blumenthal. So, yes. um, life in BLUME. Um, and it's just um, a collection of a lot of um, posts from Facebook that people seem to find inspirational. I'll put that on the blog to have a, a bigger archive for it to be found. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy life and giving us some of your very precious moments because they are all precious. It was absolutely wonderful meeting you and our tribe will absolutely stay connected with you and kiss that beautiful baby (laughs) Finn and Mason for all of us beautiful disasters. I know that might sound weird, but it's probably a premonition for what's to come in your life (laughs) because 
what can happen? Will. Everything, <laughs> everything, everything. Thank you so much, Kelly. Have a wonderful night. Yes, you too. Thank you, Tribe. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was absolutely a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.